There's something been curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Extra. All systems remain nominal. 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 Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal Extra, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. Well if it's a TGP Nominal Extra, that means we've got a sky guide happening and it just so happens to be the middle of the year, because it's June. If we're having a sky guide, we normally have some representative from UK astronomy and he's on this other fader. How you doing Ross? Hello, hello, June. It's an exciting month. There's stuff going on that I'm really looking forward to. It's an exciting month for me anyway, because it's my birthday, so. Uh... <laughs> I have to wait till September for that one. So it's the second best month. Or third, depending who you are. I celebrate my birthday with the launch of the first woman in space. Ah, excellent. Valentina Tereshkova mm. from Russia. And she launched on the 16th of June, 1963. And I, I'm not that old. <laughs> so I, I was born 10 years after that. <laughs> well, you never know what's going to happen next in the future of space. Yeah. I just want to hurry up, get to the moon. I don't think it's going to be that far, but it's definitely not going to happen when they first made out it was going to yeah. uh, well like all things there's been a uh, things have been kicked back a tad haven't they yeah not for the reasons that everybody thinks mm. to be honest with you it's, it's nothing to do with covid it's to do with the fact that uh, a certain person who was in charge of, of the united states at that time wanted to make a name for himself and the rest of the uh, space community were kind of like uh, this isn't <laughs> gonna happen he tried a jfk did he yeah but even with jfk he'd said 10 years yeah and they did it at the last possible moment really didn't they they were like yeah yeah it was nearly up the last administration tried to have it done in four years mm, yeah that's not gonna happen really they didn't even have anything on paper no so i mean if you haven't even got a design or anything like that from a design to reality in four years he probably thought oh, i would just do it again like we did back then yeah <laughs> use exactly the same stuff doesn't work like that <laughs> I mean, once you've got a, a, a design for a rocket, a shape of a rocket that works, you stick with it because yep. it works. The other parts of it, you know, getting things to move quicker, life support systems, computer systems and everything else like that, technology has changed so much. I'm guessing it's a bit like, a, like an F1 car. General look and shape of it is kind of the same. They just tweak it and make it a little bit better, yeah. a little bit more streamlined, a little bit more powerful, a little bit more... Safer. Yeah. <laughs> That's the main thing, especially a rocket. Those cars in the 70s, 60s and 70s, mm. yeah, they were dangerous. <laughs> they really were dangerous. And it's the same with the rockets. Every time they design a new rocket, it's all about safety. We've had to learn a lot since the shuttle days mm. because, to be honest with you, the shuttle itself, it wasn't the best design in the world yeah. and it wasn't the most cost-effective design in the world either. The idea that they stuck a space plane on the side of a fuel tank is probably the worst thing they could have done. <laughs> if they'd have stuck the space plane on top of the rocket part, if there was an issue, they could have just broken away from it. Yep. But because you're strapped to the side of it, if it goes, everything goes. Yep. And safety has been the main thing ever since the shuttle program 
every time they send a rocket into space, you learn from it. The data that you get back from every launch is like gold dust. I need to tweak it a little bit more for the next one. Yeah. I mean, you've only got to look at these test launches that SpaceX have been doing for the uh, the Starship. Mm. A lot of people say, yeah, but it crashed, it crashed, it crashed. Yeah, but it was meant to crash. They designed it to crash so that they could learn from it. And each time they did it, it got better and better and better to the point that they actually managed to land it. That's the beauty of the space industry. Unfortunately, though, we have a phrase that we always say on the podcast, and that is space is hard. There's no way of going, oh, it's just another rocket launch. There's no such thing as just another rocket launch. You've got to look at each rocket launch as though it's the first time it's flown. Because, you know, the slightest little mistake and space will eat you. (laughs) We're obsessed with going there, but it hates us. (laughs) It said once in Doctor Who. Space, the final frontier. Final because it wants to kill us. Sometimes we forget that. Start taking it all for granted. The suits, the ships, the little bubbles of safety as they protect us from the void. But the void is always waiting. (laughs) We're merely visitors. So, uh... What's been happening with you guys? Ah, UK Astronaut itself, to be fair, not a lot, as always. I did go out in the van the other day to give it a little run, clean it up. It did need to clean, I'm not going to lie. It's been sat there, the spacecrafter, for a little while. <laughs> so we're going to have to give it a proper good, as I call it, like a quarterly. <laughs> give it a damn good clean, make it all look nice, because I think so hopefully we might be able to get out and do little bits here and there, because I've not been out in a while. Uh, most of it again it's just just zoom talks again been been doing, doing a few cubs brownies things like that they really enjoy it schools are starting to get back now and go oh would you like to do a talk for us and things like that so yeah it's the same for us at the minute unfortunately just online talks i say just online talks they are pretty cool i enjoy them and uh, you've kind of evolved with those over the last few months as well haven't you yeah massively as i've got my own speaker now my own mic my own <laughs> webcam <laughs> i never had any of that stuff I literally just plugged the headphones into the computer and that was it. I've learned so much over the last few months of actually just writing my own talks and, you know, with the help of the other astronomers and stuff as well, doing all this, just brilliant. I've learned loads. And now when I do this podcast, I think, ah, this is all right, this is. I just get a little bit nervous before everyone and now I'm like, actually, I don't mind this now. <laughs> no one's listening to me live. I haven't got all those people staring on Zoom. Yeah, I, I must admit, when I said I was going to do the live event for um, astronomy in April, I thought, yeah, this will be great. And then it just dawned on me that I've never done anything live before. <laughs> it, all, it all sounds good on paper, does it? And then when you stop to think about it, you're like, ah, <laughs> well, I'm nervous now. <laughs> I mean, you and I have been talking about the possibility of other Q&A sessions and stuff later on in the year. Yeah, so we've got October, and we the Space Week. October. Yeah, it'd be it'd be great to do one for Space Week. We managed to work that one out within a month. We've got a little bit of time. <laughs> See if we can get on board. I'm in well, not in talks at the moment, but I've got some ideas of people that I would like to uh, contact. One in particular used to be on the board of directors of World Space Week. 
I think he works for the UK Space Agency now. Definitely a good one to get on then. So I'm going to have a word with him and see if he would be interested. There's a couple of other people that I wouldn't mind getting on board as well. So uh, as we say, watch this space and um, hopefully we'll have another Q&A session set up for World Space Week. Right, so I think it's time we had a short break and when we come back, let's go straight into the Sky Guide. Did you know that right now we have a spacecraft orbiting the moon? The Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter has been at the moon for over seven years, providing unprecedented detail into our nearest neighbor in space. I'm Noah Petro, and for more information about the moon and the LRO mission, go to nasa.gov LRO and follow us on Twitter at LRO underscore NASA. We are not here to deal with science fiction. Only science fact. On canvas with paint in the artist's school, it is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science we show, as the heat gets higher, a star will glow red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more, and what is in sight? Behold, the star glows bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither red nor white when a star has turned blue. This is TGP Nominal. Welcome back to TGP Nominal Extra. As I mentioned before the break, we've got the sky guide for June coming up. So, Ross, what's it going to be like for June? Well, as we know, June is not great for astronomy because it's a lot lighter now. It probably doesn't get dark to about 11 o'clock at night, but it's, there's actually quite a lot happening this month, which I'm quite excited about. So the first thing is, always around this sort of time of year, this is our Naked Eye Object of the Month, which is the Noctilucent Clouds. It's now the season for them. And if you've heard it before from last year or uh, previous ones, they're pretty much just like high altitude. It's like a phenomenon. I love that phenomenon, phenomenon. It's around about 82 kilometers up, and it's in the mesosphere and they're clouds pretty much and they're like ice sheets of tiny ice crystals made from meteor dust that kind of just hang in the atmosphere around there uh, they have been spotted already i've seen some people have got some pictures in our facebook group so i think last month they were there and people have seen them so the best time is just before the sun rises or just after it sets because the sun kind of like lights them up from below so they get like a wispy blue white cloud and they're not that common so if you're out around about 45 minutes to an hour after or before sunset or sunrise keep an eye out if you see these wispy sort of strange blue white clouds you're seeing sort of ice crystals made from meteors burning up in the atmosphere so that's something that you can go out pretty much every night if it's clear have a look or every morning and you might see this really strange phenomenon the noctilucent clouds so keep an eye out now onto the highlight of the month which I'm quite excited for because I think the last one I saw was 2015. There was was there another one 2017, did you say before? The one in America was 2017. Yeah. So we have got an eclipse, but in the UK, it's only going to be a partial eclipse. I say only, it's still pretty cool to see. So it's on the 10th of June. And as I said, in the UK, we're going to see the moon sort of skim over the top part of the sun as it moves in front of it. As I said, I saw one a few years ago when I first started my astronomy journey, and it is pretty cool. But as we always say here, don't look at the sun, even though we're looking at the sun. Don't do it. So I'm going to explain now how can you do it safely. So how can you actually view it safely so you know you're not going to hurt your eyes. And there's quite a lot of techniques and ways you can enjoy it at home. So the first one I'd say, and probably one of the best ones to be fair, I really enjoy. I don't know why, but just solar glasses. They're a great way to just go out and see it. You can pick them up from sort of most telescope shops online. They range from about two to five pound, depending if you know you want special ones that are promoting this sort of eclipse or other ones and things like that. 
And it means you can just pop them on and literally go out in your garden or go out somewhere just using your eyes and look up. Please don't use smoked glass or welder's masks as they don't really block out some of the harmful rays and they can damage your eyes. In the olden days it used to be fine, but now we've figured out that actually, to be fair, it's if you're doing it for a prolonged period. And this is, you know, it's from about 10 o'clock to half 12, so it's a few hours. The best things you can do is there are some really easy DIY ways to see it and fun projects. One being making a pinhole projector, which is pretty much just like a box with a pinhole in one end and it projects the sun through it onto a piece of card at the other end. It's a cool thing to have a go at making, especially with the kids and stuff, or if you're that sort of way, mind you like a bit of crafting. I'm gonna add a link to this, which have all the techniques that I'm about to talk about there for you and how you can make them. So I'll put the link there for you in the notes. So another few easy ways, apart from the pinhole projector, is you can just use two pieces of card. You pop a hole in one, and I think they do say to actually cut a hole out and put a bit of foil there, then put a pin prick through the foil. So you get two bits of card, one you just put on the floor or something like that or at an angle propped up against the chair because it has to kind of face the sun and then you just pretty much put the other one above it so that the hole lets the sun through you might have to wiggle it about a bit and move it a bit until the sun's actually going through the little pinprick and it will show it on the card through the shadow it's a really easy way to do it i've heard that people actually use colanders and kitchen strainers because they've got holes all through them yep i've seen that yeah and it makes loads of sort of perfect little eclipses all onto a white card or paper and this i didn't know you can actually use your hands as well. So what you do is you overlap the fingers at right angles to make holes big enough to let the sun through onto the paper. So I'm gonna have a go at all of these techniques, hopefully. So gonna be a bit weird, me <laughs> going out of a kitchen strainer. <laughs> but I would have a go, because they're so easy. It means anyone can do it and anyone can see the eclipse kind of happening right there. Now these techniques are sort of fun and easy, but the view will be small and slightly dim. So it's not going to be the best way to see it, but it is something you can just go out with the kids or yourselves and just have a go. To get a really good look, you can use binoculars. Just don't look through them because that will burn your eyes and I don't want that. So don't do that. And what you do is you pop them on a tripod. It's the best way to do it. You probably can lean them on things, but tripod's always best. And you make a sun shield using, again, a piece of card. Cut a hole or two in it, and then you pop that over either one of the ends or both of the ends of the binoculars. Then you hold another piece of card or paper about a foot from the viewing part and it should project safely through the binoculars onto the card. But make sure to give your binoculars a sort of cooling break now and then because it is like two and a half hours and the eyepiece may become overheated and the lens and the elements can sort of separate if you leave it pointed at the sun for too long. So do it, have a little look, point it away, do it again, have a little look. Generally they seem to be okay, but two and a half hours is quite a long time to have the sun beating down into them. You can also do this with a refracting telescope because that is a lens as well, so it's not a mirror. And you just use the shadow on the ground to align it up with the sun because you're not meant to look through the finder and find the sun because that will blind you as well, so we don't want that. And you pretty much do the same thing with that as you do with binoculars. Now, moving on to the professional side of it, you can get filters for your binoculars and telescopes. This is the safest way, I'd say, to enjoy the partial eclipse. You're not really gonna damage stuff and you're not looking, and these things are built to look at the sun. So make sure you get it from a proper telescope shop or online, make sure it's got the kite mark and it's all, you know, proper. Yeah, I'd say that also with your solar glasses as well. Make sure they've got um, a safety mark or whatever on them because there are people out there 
who were just trying to make a few pennies here and there and just supplying tinted plastic. Yeah, it's a shame. There are some filters that people have got and they've actually melted and things like that. And there's glass ones as well that have cracked before because they haven't been made properly. So the best thing is just talk to a telescope shop. There are loads out there. Give them an email, tell them what you want to do and they'll make sure they get you the right gear. So just be a little bit careful if you're doing it on eBay and things like that. So yeah, but it's the safest way to enjoy it. As well as if you do it, you'll be able to see sunspots as well. So you can actually use it for looking at the sun later on at other things. Now most of them tend to sort of pop on the end of your scope and it will allow you to see it in sort of like a yellow colour. Some are in white because it helps the black sunspots stick out more. So you see white light and yellow light and it's easier to view. If you've got a refractor, which is the one with the lens, you can get what's known as a Herschel wedge, which replaces the sort of star diagonal part, which is the bit you put your eyepieces into. And this gives you a lot clearer and better view, but it does cost a bit more. I think they're around about £100. They might be more, they might be slightly less. I bought one and it's, it's a really good view. It's crystal clear. In fact, I think I have to put a filter on my eyepiece because it's that bright. <laughs> if in doubt, just ask the telescope supplier to ensure you get all the right gear for safe for you and for what you want to do. So I hope that gives you a sort of rough rundown of the safe ways to watch this partial eclipse because it's going to be really cool. I'm going to be out hopefully on the 10th in Milton Keynes area. I'm not sure where yet because the Parks Trust, I've asked if they want to do something with me, but with COVID and things, we're not really sure what goes on. But yeah, keep an eye on the Facebook group or our website. This time, I'm quite lucky because in 2015, on the last one, I literally just had my Dobsonian scope, which is mirror, with a filter on the end that I kind of made myself. The filter was legit, but I made cardboard to fit around it. This time, I actually have a uh, hydrogen alpha scope which is the scope that is only made for the sun and it lets you see like the prominences and like all the plasma being pulled out around the sun. I've never used it during an eclipse so I want to see if you can actually see the prominences around it as well as the moon going across it. So that'll be interesting, hopefully I'll get a picture for you. So yeah that's the eclipse and really looking forward to it and that's probably taken up most of our, our podcast because it's going to be fun. to the month ahead so the first the planet jupiter will be uh, close to a sort of over half full moon in the early hours and it will be the main focus because there's a few shadow transits with its moons coming up across jupiter so it's going to be the thing we're going to be kind of like looking at this month so have a look there and that's that's how you can find on the first that the moon's kind of coming up and you'll be able to see where jupiter is and find out where it is for the next month now on the second if you get your scopes on jupiter you'll see the moon Europa, its shadow, is going to be passing across the planet. It's going to be at its centre at about 2.50am, so it is one for, you know, us crazy astronomers that like to stay out late. And then it's going to leave the planet just before twilight around about 4am. So that's the first one. But don't worry if you miss it, because there's plenty more coming up. Now if we move on to the fifth, in the early morning, there are two shadow transits that day. As Jupiter rises around about 1.30am, Io and Ganymede's shadows will be on the planet. Now Io's shadow will be moving quicker and it will actually move away from Ganymede. 
So I'll be moving off the planet at around about 3.17am. So that's quite cool, you get to see two there and you'll see one of the shadows actually sort of running away from the other. So if we move on to the sixth, this is for a bit of asteroid hunting for those keen astronomers. You will probably need a moderately sized scope to actually see it and find out where it is. But Asteroid 3 Juno reaches opposition, which means it's slightly brighter in the sky than it usually is. And it's in the Serpent Bearer. You will need a moderately sized scope, as I said, to pick out the white dot in relation to the background of stars. And if you watch it over the months, you might actually see that it's moving in relation to the stars. I'm not sure how fast this one moves in the sky. And it is slap bang in the middle of the constellation. So you will probably have to do a bit of star hopping to find it. But it's a little challenge for you if you want to see if you can find an asteroid. Now if we move on to the 7th, back to Jupiter in the early hours between 2.36 and 2.41. So about five minute window there or something like that. You've got the moon Europa is actually going to be eclipsed partially by the shadow of Io. So a moon shadow is going to be partially sort of going across another moon, making it sort of go slightly dimmer. And you might actually get to see, you know, part of the edge actually go black. I don't know. I've never seen this. So this is something that I want to go out and see now. The chances of having the shadow at the proper angle to actually go across. Imagine being on that moon. That'd be quite cool. It's almost like a partial eclipse by another moon. It's wicked. So yeah, go out and see if you can see that. There's literally like a five minute window. So, you know, get up, have a cup of tea and look for a little bit beforehand. Now if we move on to the 8th, the moon is out of the way, so it's a great time to have a look at our telescope and binocular objects of the month. So for the binoculars, decided have a look at Polaris, the northern star, and when you look there with binoculars you should see a ring of stars, and this is known as the diamond ring asterism. And it looks like a ring with Polaris being the diamond, shining bright at the top. So it's quite a cool thing to see, and also great for those wanting to uh, propose although it may cost you quite a bit of money to try and get that ring on someone's finger. That's not going to happen. See if you can spot the Great Hercules Globular Cluster. That's our telescope object. It's awesome. It's up nice and high at the moment, and it's on the sort of square of the constellation between the top two stars of that square. And it's a magnificent glob of thousands of stars, some of the oldest in our galaxy. So if you've got binoculars and a telescope, have a look for these two objects. Move on to the 10th. If you pop back to Jupiter as it rises, sort of 1.15 a.m., you'll see the moon Callisto is actually moving across the planet, leaving at about 3.30 a.m. So this time you're actually going to get the moon going across the front of the planet. So pop out there and see if you can see that. Now, on the same day is the partial solar eclipse, which was mentioned at the beginning. So it starts around 10 a.m. and it will slowly cross the top of the sun, creeping along until about 12.35 Go out for lunch, get a picnic, or pop out for a walk during lunchtime and get some solar glasses or something like that. You might notice that the lights actually sort of dim slightly. Uh, around about 11.19 is its peak and it's a very strange sensation because the last one I was at I noticed that it actually got colder, slightly darker and all the birds went quiet. It was eerie. It, you almost got goosebumps because it just didn't feel right. It was, just, it was strange. So yeah, even if you just pop out and can't see it, you might actually see its effects around you. Move on to the 11th, just after sunset. See if you can spot the really thin 1% lit crescent moon. It should be sort of below right-ish of the planet Venus, which will be shining really bright to give you an idea of where it is. And it always looks really cool because it's just kind of twilight with this really thin crescent moon. Moving on to the next day, same again in the afternoon. You'll see the moon has moved even closer to the goddess of beauty and it might be slightly easier for you to spot. So if you can't see it on the 11th, have another go on the 12th. On the 13th, 
It's going to now move towards Mars, so you'll be able to see it slowly getting bigger and brighter as it goes. And the God of War is still up in the sky at the moment, shining sort of blood red, but will soon be gone as we're moving away in orbit and coming around the other side of the sun. So probably the last month where you can actually, you know, actually see it in the sky quite well. The moon will be near it, so it's a good time to spot. Jumping ahead to the 21st, and today is the Northern Hemisphere's summer solstice, so it's marking the longest day of the year. Now traditionally, the summer solstice period fell between the planting and harvesting of crops, so it left people who worked the land a bit of time to relax, they didn't really have to do anything. And this is why June became a traditional month for weddings, so a good time to maybe propose looking up at Polaris. 26th, there's another double shadow transit on Jupiter. So if you missed the one before, this one's gonna be slightly harder because it is kind of in twilight as the sun's coming up. But if you missed the earlier ones, you've got Io and Callisto's shadows are gonna be on Jupiter around about 4.40 a.m. Io's is gonna join it just about 6 a.m. So you're gonna have Callisto's on at 4.40, Io joins it about 6 a.m. So the rising sun may get in the way, but you should be able to spot them. And you can actually see Jupiter in the sky during the day. You just can't find it very easily. So it is one of the things you can actually see during the day. So have a look, you might be able to see it. And then last but not least, on the 30th, you've got Venus and Mars. They're gonna kind of close in near each other. If you look towards the west, sort of northwest, around 11 p.m., spot the two planets and see if you can tell them apart. See if you can tell which is which from their colors, because as we know, Mars is sort of like a blood red and Venus is really, really, really bright. So hopefully that's enough for you to, you know, go out and enjoy in June, even though the sun's up a lot. There's loads to see. Yeah, certainly is by the sounds of it. Ross, I normally ask you at this point, what have you got coming up? But it, it sounds like more <laughs> of the same, really. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have been asked, because I think the, you know, Aylesbury Park Life that we quite often do, or Live in the Park, as they call it. I think I call it Park Life because of the song. But they're looking to go ahead with that. I'm not sure how yet, because we haven't really discussed it. So that's in... Uh, August, Bank Holiday. And I'm hoping we can do something, but I'm not sure what yet, because obviously... We've got to wait for guidelines and what happens. But that's a really cool event, isn't it? We spend all day sort of doing a bit solar, looking at the sun. The van will be there. Like we usually do like badge making, colouring in, all sorts of stuff like that for the kids. And me, of course. But as you know, we don't really know yet. I have been contacted by Buckingham as well, because they do like a... Uh, a week of events and they want us to go and do something in a field but again it's all oh, it's just all up in the air isn't it at the moment it's yeah like, i really want yeah. to go and do stuff but i have to ensure that everything's cleaned and things like that and it's very difficult with people sticking their eyes on eyepieces and <laughs> how do i make that covid safe and clean it with a cleaner because i can't clean the eyepiece you have to clean it in a certain way of a certain thing otherwise it can ruin it but yeah there's more talks coming up People have been contacting me in a few schools and stuff. So hopefully, I'd say this time last year, probably, we're going to slowly try and get back out there. <laughs> but to be honest, I've got a few things that I want to do, like talks. I want to do sort of like, what's that light in the sky? Because loads of people go on and ask, you know, what was this? What did I see? What was this? What was that? So I'd like to do a sort of thing about, you know, this is what a plane looks like. This is a helicopter. This is a Chinook. <laughs> this, this is a Starlink. <laughs> and this is all this stuff. This is a drone. So if you don't know what it is in the sky, you know, maybe 15 minute video talk thing, just letting you know what it is. I want to do a, a beginner's guide as well to telescopes. So I've got that written up. So hopefully more stuff online and on the YouTube. So not going out and doing events gives me time to uh, play around. 
Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. So, Ross, it's always fantastic to have you on the show. Thank you for having me again. Not being able to do things that you want to do, it's great to actually talk to people online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially now, like social, isn't it? Yeah. When was the last time we saw each other? Uh, September. Was it? Yeah. That was when we, the van, wasn't it? Yeah, because you did a little piece on the van, didn't you? Yeah, that was the last time we saw each other, I think. Yeah, blimey. <laughs> so hopefully, park life goes ahead. We're live in the park, should I say. You'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah. You won't be allowed to shake hands or hug or anything. Oh, no, you can hug, but you're not allowed to face each other, are you? Yeah. Which would be a bit weird. I don't think we should do that. <laughs> no. Because it's going to be a bit awkward and everybody will be staring. So Yeah, it'll be... <laughs> yeah we won't do that. We'll just wave. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm, I need to speak to Ruth about uh, of uh, not TGP nominal, but the garbage pods involvement in live in the park. It was even fun last year, even though it was not live in the park last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still had an involvement with it, so it would be great to have some kind of uh, involvement this year. The beauty of it for us this year is a lot of the bands that I actually interviewed for not live in the park will be appearing at live in the park this year. So. I'll be able to talk to them face to face which will be great just got to wait and see how that goes and uh, obviously there's going to be a few back and forth with talks between different parties and whatnot. so uh, that'll be great there's one thing I wanted to say to everyone before we leave and that is it might not be your thing but if you check out the garbage pod for May we had our annual Eurovision podcast, which this year was actually quite good fun because we had a guest on the show. I'm not going to mention who it was on here right now, but all I'm going to say to you is that it was somebody who featured in this year's Eurovision Song Contest. So uh, if you like that kind of thing, go check it out. So that leaves us with one thing left to say, and that is thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. And I'll speak to you all again real soon. Clear skies, guys. And remember, there's a billion worlds in your back garden. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. If you want to get in touch with us, then... Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.